Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe with the Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. May we uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to be reading to you uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3-11. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be be richly provided for you an interest into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, may the Lord have a blessing to the reader, the doer, and hearer of his word, and you may be seated. Amen. Today's sermon title is Pursuing Godliness. I live in Glendale slash Peoria. If I go on one side of the street, I'm in Glendale. If I go on the other side of the street, I'm in Peoria. That's how close, closely related the cities are. But I was reading something there, and... Um, on the on the, the information that they sometimes give us in the newsletter there living in Glendale and I heard that they were going to be putting uh, LED lights on every uh, light post throughout the neighborhood I live in LED lights right and if you know anything about LED lights you guys know what LED lights are yeah so uh, you put these LED lights and I was just thinking about it. I was thinking like you know what that's what we need to be in our neighborhood We need to be the lights in our neighborhood. So we have to pursue godliness, but are we really pursuing godliness? And if you aren't, then why aren't you? But how do I pursue godliness? Now, Peter's letter here to the churches throughout Asia Minor, before we get into chapter 2, he's really concerned about false teaching and false doctrinal teaching, distorted theology, But he needs to be able to plant the foundation for everyone who's reading this letter to understand who God is and who you are and what you have been given, the power that you have been given to walk and to pursue godliness. So um, before we we get to that, um, in the next couple of weeks, chapter 2 really hammers away at false teachers. Not only false teachers, but also the people who are sitting in the chairs that tolerate the false teaching. Because it's basically like there's false teachers up here teaching the word of God, 
you know it, but you're okay with it. And so you're like under that same judgment that the minister is ministering to you what you want to hear. And so this letter is very, very important for a lot of churches to get a, a good understanding and why it's important to understand who it is that you are listening to. Now, the reason why I can tell you this is because what we have today is social media, right? A lot of you guys, other people, you love social media. And what you see on social media is a lot of particular teachings and postings from different people that sounds good to you, but you really have no idea what they believe because chances are you really haven't checked their mission statement, what they believe, although they sound, they put something up that sounds good to you, but you really don't know what they believe. A lot of these teachers that are out there don't even believe in the Trinity. They don't even believe in the doctrine of the, of the Trinity. That's why I told you last week, I said, I want you guys to go look up that word Christology. How many of you actually looked it up? Raise your hand if you looked it up. And if you didn't, remember you're in church. <laughs> yes, sir. so, okay, that's good. Only three out of how many are in here? Only three. So I had you look up that word Christology because it's the study of Christ. It's the study of who Jesus is, the person and the work of Jesus. It wasn't just that he died for us, which was important because of the atonement, but it's the fact that he had to live for us too. And so before we get started, we read this. I want to just read this to you and so you can have a great understanding of what we believe here as well as what you should believe as well. Number one, say number one. We confess the mystery and wonder of God made flesh. We know that Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. And he was made flesh for us. Number two, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit created all things. Jesus sustains all things and makes things all new. Do you agree with that? Yes. Do you agree with that? Yes. All right, amen. How about this? Jesus is truly God. Jesus is truly man. He has two natures, two natures in one person. Do you agree with that? Yes. That's Christology. That's what Jesus is. It's called the hypostatic union. He's Truly God, he's also truly man. He's God, was God always, but he's also, he was also a man. He was also a man. So also, number four, say number four. He lived, kept the law, atoned for sin, and satisfied God's wrath. That's what we believe. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, church? Remember, he kept the law. And if you were with Bible study here on Wednesday, I showed you why Jesus healed the leper and told the leper plainly and sternly just really was like emphatic don't tell anyone what i've done but go show yourself to the priest to uphold levitical law so that if you're going to break the law that's on you i'm not breaking the law so jesus never broke the law can we get an amen, amen. with that so we satisfied god's wrath meaning jesus had to be perfect to go to the cross number five said number five, number five. he lived crucified died was buried, rose again, and Jesus will come again. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Number six. This is important because this is part of Christology, what Christ has done for us. He took our filthy rags. Do, are, we, are we filthy people? Yes. According to, yes, we were, right? He took our filthy rags, and Jesus gives us his righteous robe. You have, whose righteousness do you have? Yours or Jesus? Jesus. You have the righteousness of Christ. Finally, number seven, as Eric taught us here this morning with the catechism, Jesus is 
prophet, Jesus is priest, Jesus is king, and he's building his church. He's building his church. That's Christology. That's the work and the person of Christ Jesus. And so because of what Jesus has done, our byproduct of because of what he's done for us and the love that he has for us, it causes us to pursue godliness, to pursue godliness. Okay, so let's go to the text. We're at verse 3. We're at verse 3. The point of the sermon, and number one, if you have the sermon note, says God's divine power overcomes our resistance and the power of our sinful nature. You always choose the wrong things, but because of the power of God, you now choose the right things and to please God. And how do you do that? Because you possess the power of the Holy Spirit. You possess the power of the Holy Spirit. But how did this happen? Let's go to verse 3. Verse 3 of the text says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So it's his divine power. That word power in Greek is dunamis, meaning it's powerful. It's his power. You were going the wrong way. You were headed down the wrong road. You continue to go down the wrong way. And the people who don't know Christ, they go the wrong way, but it causes, and it's the only way that the power of God gets a hold of you that causes you to turn to him. So he did this for you by his divine power. He granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What does that mean? It means we are created for worship. And if you're not worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping something else. If you're not worshiping the Lord, if you don't understand Christology, well, then you are worshiping something else. People worship places. People worship things. People worship people. You are worshiping something if you are not worshiping Christ. We worship Jesus. So he gave us all things to to pertain to life and godliness. Meaning we have our worship right. It's right worship now. We are worshiping the truth. We are worshiping God. We only know who he is. So we are in right standing. We are having right worship now with God. And he, he does this for us because of his power, not that of our own. And now we worship God rightly. We worship God rightly. And it says this, through the knowledge of him, who called us to his own glory. So an excellence through the knowledge of him, sort of like experience. Many of you know that God is good because you've experienced God's goodness. Many of you know that God is a healer because many of you have been healed by God. So you know that God is a healer. Many of you know that God is a provider because God has provided for you. And then you know that God is a provider. Many of you know that you were headed for hell, but God saved you. And now you know that God is one who can rescue you. And so you live like this and you pursue godliness through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of him who called us by what? His own glory and excellence. So in other words, if you're living a godly life, it's not that you look good. It's the fact that the father looks good. The fact that we are saved and we are redeemed and we are people who know the Lord. It's not because we think we look good. It's because we make the father look good for his glory and his excellence. So young people today who are here today, when you go to school and you want to be somebody, you do it for his glory and his excellence. That the power of God is seen through your life and God gets all the glory. All the glory. Everything that you do, God is to get the glory for everything that we do. Let's pursue godliness. Satisfy the Father for his wonderful grace and his mercy that has been extended to us. But it's all for his glory and excellence. 
That word knowledge, like I mentioned last week, is from the Greek. It's epignosis, meaning full knowledge, not half knowledge. That's a very important thing because when it comes to false teaching, they give you half the knowledge, not the entire full knowledge. You get half of it because half of it sounds good, but you don't want to get the other half because it challenges you. It challenges you to change. And the word of God will always challenge you to change. If you're not convicted sitting in the chairs, if you're not feeling that you need to do and make changes, then you're probably getting a happy, feel-good message that just makes you feel good, but it doesn't give you any substance. There's nothing that's going to help you in the time of your dire need. And so today, we reflect back and we look back and we think about the things that God has done for us. So think about the songs that we said today. When I think about the Lord, when I think about him, you know why you think about him? Because you remember what he's taking you from. You remember where he's taking you and where he's placed you today. That you are sober, that you are no longer addicted, that you are set free, that anger doesn't have a hold of you any longer, that you are a forgiving person, that you forgive people. You're not angry anymore. You don't have a lot of bitterness in your life. You're not stressed because you have so many promises that you see in front of you because God has given you these promises. God has put things in front of you that when you look at them, there's no way I'm going to go back to that old life because I see what's ahead of me. I see the promises, and I know from experience, I've experienced these promises. Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his what? Precious and very great promises. Precious and great promises. Now, these promises that are precious aren't material promises. They're not promises that I'm going to bless you with this job. I'm going to give you this thing. I'm going to give you all kinds of things. And, and whatever you feel materialistically, those aren't the promises that God gives you. He gives you something far greater than those promises that you would feel are material. But he doesn't give you those. I'm going to give you the promises and tell you the promises. And you have experienced these promises because I know because you believe. Because we got a bunch of believers here who will pursue after godliness. The promise Christ gives us, he says, he gives forgiveness to the sinful. Are you thankful that you've been forgiven? Number two, he gives rest. And this is important. He gives rest to those who are stressed. I'm not trying to rhyme, but that rhymes. (laughs) But he does give us rest. Meaning we can go to sleep at night. We can sleep without tossing and turning. We can sleep and sleep well, unless you have sleep apnea. But you can sleep well and not be stressed about everything else when you wake up in the morning. Some of us can't even go to sleep at night because we're so stressed about what we gotta face in the morning. But it's an act of faith when you go to sleep. Jesus promises to give us rest and you have all experienced this rest. Number three, he gives comfort to the sad. Speaking to my sister today, and she said, I was just a little sad. I said, sometimes we have to feel sad. We have to know that what we've done to God sometimes is a reminder of the things and the transgressions and the violations that we've made to God. And sometimes we're just sad about it. And we cry, we need to be alone. And sometimes we just need to cry because it's therapeutic. Sometimes many of you just need to go somewhere by yourself and just thank God and just worship God and cry. And I'm speaking to a lot of the men. Because men need to cry. It's okay, we got a lot of crying men in here. 
Now I never could cry. And I told my sister if it wasn't for Jesus, because I didn't even cry when my daughter passed away. I was just stoic and just didn't understand. I was too young. But I cry now. I cry because I know what he's done for me. And when I make a mistake, I will cry because I'm trying to pursue godliness. I'm trying to please the Father. Number four, he gives hope to the dying, and this is a very important promise. For those of you who are in Christ Jesus, you are regenerate, you are born again, and that God gives you hope for the dying. If you die, you open up your eyes to glory. What a wonderful promise that is. That no matter what happens, you get to be with Jesus for all of eternity. But people are dying and they are without Christ. Promise number five, he gives life to the dead. He gives life to the dead. Before we were in this world, we were just dead people walking. Our spirits were dead until he made us alive and we're alive to the things of Christ. Isn't it amazing that before you were born again, before you were saved, how blind you were to so many things. You were just blind. You were just being deceived by a lot of people. But now when you're in Christ, you are like, I see it coming. I see where you're going with this. But I'm alive in the spirit. Amen. I'm not dead. I'm alive. I see exactly what you're doing. And so we're alive. And number six, we have the promise that Jesus is coming again. It's called the perusia, the parousia, meaning the second coming of Christ. Are you excited that the Lord is coming back? Yeah. Remember, he, he makes all things new. Everything's going to be new. And number seven, this is the promise, the greatest promise, is that the Holy Spirit, that inner dynamic is living within you, that you would pursue godliness. The Holy Spirit, it's that inner dynamic that we have. Those are the promises that we've experienced. You've experienced those promises. I've experienced those promises. They are with us today, and we live for those. It helps us to pursue godliness. I don't need the promise of a material blessing. I really don't. What I need is the ones that Jesus has promised, and those are everlasting. Right. Let's continue. This is important. I'm still in verse 4. I'm going to read it again. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Meaning we get to... We get to be like Christ and that we have the spirit of living God with us. We're partakers in the divine nature. We are walking in the spirit. We are walking with the spirit of the living God, which helps us to pursue after godliness. Not that we will ever be a God as teachers teach, that you will be a God because you have the divine nature. No, you are not a God. When you die, you return to the dust. But your soul is with God. That's life everlasting until one day, your body and your soul that reunite. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Partakers of the divine nature. And then it says this, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Meaning you escaped, that God gave you the power to run away. There's an Old Testament story about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife was trying to come on to Joseph and Joseph was called up into her chambers, and when he was there, she was trying to come on to him. But Joseph had the power to turn and run away, and he ran away. But she tried to get a hold of him before, and she got a hold of his, of his cloak and grabbed it, and he took off. 
And really, that's the power that God gives all of you. When you are tempted with sin, God gives you the power to what? Escape, to run away from it. Rather than stopping, turning. Let me think about this for a minute. No one's going to find out. Let me just turn and get involved with it. No, God gives you the power to pursue godliness and run. You have the power to escape from it. Escape. How many of you can escape from it? And temptation comes in all kinds of forms. That's when I teach spiritual warfare on Monday. We talk about the type of deceptions that are in the world. And it's going to get really interesting because... Now, you guys know I have to preach the Bible. You guys know this, right? I have to preach what it says here. I don't ever skip a line. I'm just going to go, I'm going to read three, but I'm going to skip on down to eight because I'm going to avoid four to seven. I'm going to do that. I'm going to read it all. So in the coming weeks, I have to talk about false prophets and teachers and the deception, which means I have to give you names. I have to give you names. Some, some of y'all like some of these people. And I have to give you names of them to warn you. It's my job to warn you. Well, he's just talking about the church. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you what you need to know in the truth, with the truth. Because I guarantee you there's people out there that would say some things about me. But I say, let's go to the text. Let's talk about it in the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, then why do you believe it? Somebody had a revelation. Woke up one day and had a revelation. I saw this. The Lord showed me. Why would the Lord show you, but it's not in the word? When you read the book of Hebrews, everything that was said, Jesus said, would be in the Bible. It's already there, written for us to see. There's nothing needs to be added. It doesn't need to be some new revelation, but that's the deception because they speak well. They sound good, that many of you are enticed by it because they have to suck you in somehow. Remember I told you about the hook and the bait? The hook is something I want. See, some people come to church because they just want a blessing. Some people come to church for the wrong reasons because I want a blessing. I want... To want to receive something rather than coming through the door because you're thankful that Jesus gave you eternal life. Right. That, he, that he delivered you from the pits of hell. That you come here to sing and thank God. But many people go to church because they want to be motivational and lifted up. They come to church for the wrong reason. So because I have to get to chapter 2, I have to speak about these names. So why on Mondays we can talk about the names and we can analyze some of the things they've said. So that you can realize that, wow, but he sounded good with this, but he don't believe this. No, if I told you some things and it didn't line up with the word of God, and I told you my own personal opinions and I didn't line up with the word of God, you should question me. You should be able to hold me accountable and question me. So we have to talk about this. And it gets very, very tough. It's a tough thing to do. Meaning, George is live. People are going to see it. We put the videotapes out. People are going to see it. They're not going to like it very much. But it's, it is what it is. I have to preach what the text tells me to preach. This is what I'm instructed to do. This is what God has called me to do. Okay, let's go to verse 5. For this very reason, because of you pursuing godliness and what God has done for you, it says for this very reason, Paul, I mean, Peter is, is telling you this so that you can have a great understanding, have a solid foundation of what God has saved you for, how he saved you, what you were to do now, because it's going to get ugly. It's going to get real ugly with this letter. And so he says this, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. So it says, for this very reason, make every effort, meaning cooperate. Cooperate with what? With the Holy Spirit. Stop wrestling with the Spirit. Stop walking in the flesh, but submit to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Too many of us wrestle with the flesh. You have the Spirit of the living God in you. 
Cooperate with the spirit of the living God. Stop wrestling with the flesh. You're wrestling and wrestling. Cooperate. And it says this. To supplement. Mean to go beyond your faith with virtue, with energy. Many of you have a lot of energy. Put that much energy into your walk with God. Be, be energetic about your walk with God. We work out. We try to stay in shape with it because we're energetic about it. But we're so filled with God's energy that we want to pursue after godliness and righteousness so we study the word of God and we put energy and effort into it. Does it take effort for you to open up the Bible? Yes. yes it does. Does it take energy for you to stay in your Bible without falling asleep? Yes it does. Why is it that people open up their Bible or talk about the Bible that you start to get tired? Why is that? Because the flesh don't want you to read it. But the spirit is like eat, 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 eat of the word of God. It's speaking to us. It's there to teach us. It's there to challenge you too. That's why a lot of young people don't like to listen to the word of God. Wait, 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 wait. Let me live my life. Let me live my life first. I'm going to tell you about people who say that first because there's a lot of entertainers that are in the world. They've all been faced with facing the gospel and every last one of them always said, I'm having too much fun right now. When I get a little older, I'll then come to Christ. And it never works out. It never works out. It's just proof of man's depravity because they'll never come to God unless God comes to them and gets a hold of them the way he's got a hold of you. Because remember, there's none righteous and none are coming after God or seeks after the things of God. But it's God's power that does it. Let's move on. Have energy and energy with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, meaning you're patient. So when you read the word of God, you get stronger in the word of God. You get knowledgeable with the things of God and you have patience, you have self-control and you're energetic, but you have to have the knowledge, meaning you have to understand the word of God as it's written, the original text in Greek, in Hebrew, and to understand what those mean. So some, wait a minute, I don't, I don't want to go back. I don't want to buy uh, a Greek thing and a Greek text. Just teach me. I'll teach you. We'll teach you. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the word. But I tell you the Greek meaning of it because that's where it's most important, what the word meant. What the word meant. Many of you know what virtue means. You understand what virtue means? They say patience is a virtue. It's a quality you have. But it's saying to be energetic. To be energetic. Like you're energetic with things of the world. You're energetic with different plannings that you have. You're real energetic about those things. Well, have the same energy when it comes to the things of God. And it says steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection. We are to be knowledgeable, strong, patient, self-controlled people, but we're to be loving people. We're not to be people who are arrogant. We know everything. We have the Bible down packed. We know, no, we're supposed to be loving to one another. Nobody wants to be taught by someone who's arrogant. Yeah. Nobody wants to hang out with someone who's arrogant, thinks they know everything. But we're to be loving, brotherly affection. Phileo, Philadelphia. Have brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with what? With love, with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, does it say increasing? Does the word say increasing there? Yeah. Verse eight. For if these qualities which we just possess are yours, because you have the Holy Spirit, if they are increasing, does it say decreasing? It says if they are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you have these, you possess these qualities, you are increasing in knowledge, you are effective in your ministry, you are effective in coming against deception, temptation, and accusation, you're effective against the enemy, you're effective in your call, and you're not ineffective. Watch what happens when you don't practice these things. Watch what happens when you don't. Point of the sermon number two said, God grants us everything we need. And we have experienced his faithfulness. Those were the promises that I mentioned. And then point number three is this. Evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is displayed by the qualities we possess through our own personal responsibilities. When someone is saved, you know they're saved because they act different. When someone is saved, they don't go the places they used to go. When someone is saved, they don't do the things that they used to do. When someone is saved, they begin to understand that their desires now line up with God's desires, not your worldly passions and desires for the flesh. So you begin to see these incredible changes in your life. But what happens? See, we're talking about the Christian here. We're not talking about the unbeliever. But what happens when the unbeliever doesn't pursue, I'm sorry, what happens when the believer doesn't pursue godliness? So Peter's concerned. And because he's concerned, because of chapter 2, he has to tell you about false teachers, which, because we get lazy, we don't study, we get lazy, we don't want to come to church, we get lazy, things will happen, that you'll hear something from some false teacher, and it sounds so good to you, that you're not able to see the deception. So you can't become spiritually lazy. Watch what happens when you do become spiritually lazy. Let's go to 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so what nearsighted nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins you're blind you can't see no more you're squinting like i have bad eyesight i was talking to mercedes daughter uh, this is your boy right that's glasses or daughter i said i can't see either without these glasses and i'm squinting i'm squinting and that's like your life spiritually. If you don't really see everything you need to see, all you're doing is squinting. I think that's the truth. I think that sounds good. I don't know. I can't really see where I'm going because I don't have my glasses on. You can't be nearsighted when it comes to your spiritual life. You can't be lazy when it comes to your spiritual life. And if you do, then you become blind. You begin to see and believe everything that you see without testing its truth. So he says, don't lack these qualities He's warning the church. He's warning the church because of chapter 2 and what's coming up in chapter 2. That's why he said the people that sit in those chairs are very responsible, just as responsible to listening to the false teaching that's going on behind the pulpit. So he may be deceiving y'all. He may be sitting up here deceiving everybody. But guess what? You're just as responsible for listening to it. I'm not talking about my people here. I'm talking about the people who listen to I'm talking about you. I'm talking about my, pe- my, not my people. I'm talking about the people that are in other churches who just sit there and listen to it over and over and don't even question it or challenge it. And so we have another movie we're going to show here real soon. And get ready for that one. Then it says this again. And he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Church, have you forgotten that God has cleansed you from your sins? Verse 10. Then it says, therefore, 
brothers and my sisters be all the more diligent to conform your to confirm your calling and election there's that word again election you can't avoid that word it's in the bible it's right there election what does it mean your calling and your election what confirms it the qualities that you possess the qualities that you possess that we discussed you have to have those qualities. It confirms your calling. It confirms your election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Not meaning that you could lose your salvation. It means that you won't fall into misery. You won't fall into, into depression. Because sometimes Christians who are born again, they are miserable people. They are stressed people. They are people who are walking around and depressed and feeling bad. Why? Because you haven't been pursuing godliness. You haven't been studying with energy. You've been neglecting and you're becoming spiritually lazy in life that you become depressed. But he's saying, don't do that. Confirm your calling and election. What does that mean? It means this, family of God, and this is great news for you because you are, you are a part of a family where one of the members has got saved. You have been elected before the foundation of the world, meaning God has already predetermined that he was going to save you. Already. A lot of you guys see some people on TV. There's a brother who's out there saying, he crossed the line, he crossed the line. Because he talked about the doctrine of election and he blasted it. He's that God that said, Jesus Christ, y'all know him. Y'all love him, come on now, y'all love him. It's really good, doing what he's good, doing his thing, that's good. But when you start blasting the word of God and the truth of God's word, then you've crossed the line where someone needs to go to him and pull him to the side and say, brother, let's Bible study together. Right. Let's talk about it. They don't, they, they don't need to get mad at you. You just don't know a few things. That's all. Let's just sit down. Let's talk about it. And then watch God use you. But you've all been predestined to be born again, to be saved, to be in the family of God. That's first. The second thing is the effectual call. You had to hear the gospel message. Someone was sent to you to preach the gospel message to you. And they may have preached it to you a thousand times. There are many people that come to you and you heard the gospel message, but, and you never responded. Then one day you do respond. That happened to me. That happened to me. I heard the gospel over and over and over and over again from a guy named Jack Van Ippie Ministries. I used to watch his, his, and I used to listen to his eschatology. I used to sit there and listen to him. And I'm thinking that the rapture was going to happen tomorrow. I better get it right. I still didn't get it right. I still didn't get it right, and I still didn't say that prayer that he said, just repeat after me this prayer right now. Oh, God, Heavenly Father. I, did, I still didn't say the prayer. I would change the channel at that point because I didn't want to say that prayer because if I said that prayer, that means I was saved. That's how crazy I thought. If I just repeat them words, then something magical is going to happen, even though I don't want God. Something's going to happen, and I'm going to be changed instantly. Well, we know you don't get saved that way. Over and over and over again, I would go to church, different churches. Still get high, do all this other stuff, drink and all that, and there were weekends, do all that crazy stuff. Until one day, I heard the gospel message in a little house, South Phoenix, heard it, heard thought the preacher, yeah. and when he preached it, something happened to me. Amen. Something happened to me. I realized who God was and who I was, and I needed to be rescued. So we're predestined, God finds out, he makes the effectual call, all of you respond to the gospel message. That's number two. Number three is you become regenerate. The Holy Spirit descends, you become changed. Then you have faith, number four. Then number five, you repent because of that faith. You repent 
of your sins. You are then six, number six, justified. You receive justification. Then you are adopted into the family of God. That's why we're all brothers and sisters and we have one father. God the Father in heaven who sent Jesus, our elder brother, to suffer and die on the cross. The number eight is sanctification. It's what we do while we're pursuing godliness. We're going through the sanctification process, the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys of life, the times where we feel we, we did wonderful, at times we're just so low. Why? What happened? It's part of your growth. Get up and move on. If you stumble and fall, just get up and move on. The devil's going to try to keep you down there, using all kinds of tricks and deceptions to keep you down there, thinking you're no good, thinking you lost your salvation. Get up and move on. Number nine, perseverance. God's promised to, that you would persevere. He'd keep you to the very end. And then finally, number 10 is glorification. You know when we glorified, when we become glorified is when we actually breathe our last breath, is when we die. That's when we become glorified. That's election. And so you have these qualities, your calling and your election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you, richly provided, meaning fully furnished. You ever get a place of where you go live and it's furnished already? Sometimes you go to a place where you live, you don't like the furniture that's there. You're going to get your own stuff and get your own stuff in there. But imagine getting a house, buying a house, or getting a house, and you love the decor there, and you love the furniture there, and you want everything there. I watched a movie once. This man wanted to buy another house from another man. And he walked into his family's house and he saw the house and he said, I will take everything. It looks so good. Can I buy everything? Meaning everything. Everything in the kitchen, everything in the living room, everything in the dining room. Everything looks great. I want to buy everything. In the same way, God fully furnished and provides everything for you richly. Provides everything for you. Why? Because you belong to him. You belong to him. So he richly provides for you and what? What does that say? He richly provides for you what? Read it. What does it say? Verse 11. For what? Your, your entrance. He richly provided for you what? An entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the road to heaven, everyone. There is no other way to heaven. That's why you got to watch out when you listen to like celebrities and all people who have different cults and although they believe in certain things, they try to tell you there's another way to get to heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven. Amen. And it's through Jesus. Jesus provides the road to heaven by his blood. By his blood. He shed his blood for us to atone for us. Jesus provides the way. Let's go to the application part and then I'll end. Number one, it's like, what do we do now? You told us all this. How do I pursue godliness? What do I do? What do I do? How do I leave here with the knowledge that I need to apply this to my life? Number one, through God's divine power, we have his word. What's the word? Right here, right? The word of God. And for those young people, if you don't have a Bible, you still can download one on your phone. And the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. By the Holy Spirit, we now have an inner dynamic power to live a godly life. There is really no excuse for you not to pursue after godliness when you have the Spirit of the living God compelling you to pursue after godliness. Stop warring, stop, stop struggling in the flesh 
and submit to the spirit and pursue a godly life. Number two, we are to make daily commitments through right worship to cooperate with our divine nature for pursuing godliness with energy. Not being lazy, not being slothful, but being energetic and passion to fulfill our responsibilities. These are our human responsibilities. Reading verses five all the way down to 10, those are our responsibilities. Those are what God has given you and equipped you with. Those are the qualities that you possess. Those are your responsibilities to carry out. As a believer, it's easy to miss it, but you have to realize that's what it's there for. Those are your responsibilities to carry out. Finally, number three, it says, remember God's promises. The promises that I listed earlier. The promise you already experienced and practice the qualities you possess to confirm your calling. Peter's very concerned with this church, very concerned with the people who sit in the chairs, who come to read the word of God, that you get sound teaching, you get sound doctrine, and that you are challenged for change because of what's happening in verse 2. And we have to confront the teachers that are teaching falsely and then the people that are sitting there and actually receiving it and not being challenged by it. So we pray today that you will pursue after godliness with the robe of righteousness which has been provided through Christ Jesus. Let us pray.